I am so glad that someone has finally admitted the truth, that it is out there, it is on video, that mothers really do have superpowers. And and this is something I've honestly suspected since I was a kid, and most of us in this room, we've suspected this for years because we've been busted when our mom's back was turned to us, all right? We've been busted when mom wasn't even in the room because mom knows the eyes in the back of her head are somehow eyes that like turn around corners and all kinds of things. We've been busted by moms that, that we shouldn't have been busted by. And if that wasn't enough to convince you, almost all of us have been on there, probably everyone in this room, you don't have to raise your hand, but my guess is everybody in this room and everybody watching online, you've been on the receiving end of that look. You know the look that I'm talking about. It's the look that like mom can shoot it across the room, crowded tons of people in that room, and as soon as it hits you, like you automatically like stand up in posture position. Like you just it changes everything that you're doing, and, and it just changes everything all of a sudden for you, and um, it, it makes you like you are thinking of doing something wrong, and then that look hits, and all of a sudden your whole mindset changes. Right? That look can make you confess to things you didn't even have part in doing. Right? You just confess because that look is there. Mom, it is there and we know it. And so if you weren't convinced that, that moms have superpower, um, it, it's time that we finally acknowledge that. And I'm also finally glad uh, that someone explained to me this transition of power between moms and grandmas, how that worked. Right? And, and because as moms, there are things you do that you don't do as a grandma. As a grandma, there's things that you're doing to your grandkids that there's no way you did for your kids. Okay, I can, just, I can tell you firsthand that there are things that my mom did for my kids that there is no way she let us get by with, right? And then now I know. It's because you as grandparents have developed a different set of superpowers, right? And so, moms, you might as well give it up. Your secret is now out there. It's on video that you do have these superpowers. The secret is out that you are marvelous mothers and you have these superpowers uh, but to be honest, we didn't really need that video to tell us that. Actually, somebody sent me that video on Facebook this week, and I loved it so much, I was like, we've got to use that Sunday morning. But we didn't need that video to tell us that moms have superpowers or super abilities. Because we have, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, that tells us what it looks like to be a marvelous mom, what it looks like to have these amazing superpowers. And so my prayer this morning, as we work through this text, is that the moms here, um, and moms watching online, that you're going to be encouraged because you're going to find yourselves fitting so many of these categories and maybe challenged in some of the ways, but maybe beyond that, for us who are not moms and never going to be moms, maybe it's for us to be challenged to recognize how marvelous our mothers are or how marvelous our wives are or our grandmothers are. And whether it's a biological mom or adopted mom or a spiritual mom, somebody who helped raise you spiritually or even the mother of your own children, uh, we are so blessed to have these women in our life. And so we're going to celebrate that uh, with the flowers and with the candy. We're going to celebrate that through the text this morning. So go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, to Proverbs chapter 31. We'll start in verse 10. We'll read down through verse 31. Some of you may know this, kind of a tidbit of information. If you start in chapter 10 all the way through verse 31, it's an acrostic in the Hebrew, which means in the English, if you were to translate this actually in English, the first letter of verse 10 starts with letter a. The first letter in verse B in verse 11 starts with B, and then the first letter of uh, verse 13 would start with C, and on down the line. It doesn't do that in English, but it does do that in Hebrew. And so there's a little bit of structure involved in the way this is organized, right? So let's go ahead and read Proverbs 31, a little lengthy passage, starting verse 10 and reading down through verse 31. Verse 10 says, "Who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels." The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. 
She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She rises while as a steel knight and provides food for her husband and portion for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and she reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. In verse 19, she extends her hands at the spinning staff and her hands to hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her husband when it snows, for all of her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings and her clothing is fine, is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments and delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing and she can laugh at the times to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Verse 29, many women are capable, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, this opportunity to come together to worship you, God, to, to sing collectively with other people, to pray collectively with other people. God, we thank you for these moments, whether we're here physically or spiritually, God, uh, that we are reminded in the tough times of being a parent, in the great times of being a parent, uh, God, that we don't have to do this alone. Uh, God, that we dedicate these kids to you as, as infants, as children, and we dedicate our, our kids even when they're teenagers. God, we give them to you knowing that you have a perfect and wonderful plan for their life. But God, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy for us. And so God, we are so thankful for times like this that we can be together and we can know together, God, that, that there are other people sitting in this room, God, who have walked the same road that we are walking now. God, there is so much wisdom in this room through a future generation or through a generation before us and through the generation we're in. God, women who have walked the path that we are on, women who have wisdom to pass on. And so, God, we're so thankful that you don't call us to be parents by ourselves. Instead, you call us to be parents in the midst of a community that serves you and loves you and will wrap our, their arms around each one of us. And so, God, I pray this morning we feel that unity within us. We feel that unity across this room and across the, the, the place where you're, wherever we are gathered to hear your words this morning, Father. And so, God, I pray that you speak. God, I pray that you speak words of encouragement to every mother here, knowing that she is following your plan and she is a marvelous mother because she is a godly mother following after you. God, I pray for those who are not mothers and aren't going to be mothers, God, this morning that we will come to acknowledge and recognize and, and yes, even praise those wonderful mothers that we've had. Praise those who are mothers for our children. And God, we thank you so much for what they've done in and through our lives, Father. And God, I pray that we give this time to you and that you speak. And God, that we be obedient to you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Dr. Crest is known um, for kind of being a uh, world-renowned doctor. In fact, he is uh, uh, he was born in Canada. He did most of his training in the United States, um, but he is world-renowned. He is the only doctor I know of that specialized in both internal medicine and neurology um, and in uh, digestive influences or a digestive system. And so he is a, a very influential world um, in, or a very influential man in the world. And so when someone like that speaks, we learn to listen. When someone like that says something great, we learn to pay attention to them because they, you realize they are super smart. In fact, he's so smart that while he was working in America, he was the editor of two Australian health magazines. Right? So this man knows a little bit about what's going on in the world. And in his free time, and somehow he has free time in that, he, um, he likes to read kind of biographies or, or, or history about very influential men in the past, men like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Charles Wesley. And so after reading several of these, he kind of noticed they had one thing in common, that despite what age they were in, what time frame they were in, these very successful men, these men that had great influence, he noticed something was, was common amongst all of them, and he wrote this. He said, men who have had in the past exerted the greatest influence for good in the world have, as a rule, pious, godly mothers. He went on to say that whenever God has needed a man of worth in the past, that he has first searched out a godly mother to make such a man. That's a powerful statement right there, that when God needed a man to raise up to do something great, he first sought out a godly mother to make that happen. That every man who has done great for the world has typically had a pious, godly mother. And so Dr. Crest has noticed his firm connection between the characteristics of a mom and the great influence that people have on the world. And so most men that have great influence on the world have a godly, uh, pious mom, and they do it both publicly and in their private life. He understood that the greatest characteristic of a marvelous mom is that she is a godly mother, that she is a pious mother. And so this is the first characteristic that we notice when we talk about marvelous mom is that she has a right relationship with God. All right? And so we see this several times throughout the book of Proverbs, but especially in verse 30. And so in verse 30, it starts off with this line that says, charm is deceptive. And the word charm there is translated as to, to be elegant or to be in splendor. It can translate to be uh, something you do to be in favor of a crowd. Right? So this idea, that, that this idea of popularity, if you will. Popularity can be deceptive, if you will. And so the idea is that we put on a show that we really do everything that makes you look like you're number one and you're first at everything. And so moms sometimes fall in this trap, not because they necessarily want to, but because they're, they somewhat feel this competition to compete or this idea that they have to compete. Moms will strive uh, to outdo each other. And so a marvelous mom understands this is not the case. You see, sometimes moms will, will strive for favor, but they'll do good things, things that are good. Like they'll volunteer for the PTA. They'll volunteer for be the classroom helper. They'll volunteer to be the team mom. And all those things are good things to do as long as the motive of those things are right. You see, the motivation behind those things are very important. See, moms will do these things. Some of them will do them out of a gentle, kind, humble spirit. Some of them will do them because they really need this. The team needs this. But honestly, there are some that do it because they want themselves or they want their kid to be number one. And this is where the deceptive part of it comes in, right? That they will do these things not because it's needed, not because they want to do them, but they'll do them simply because they want themselves or they want their child to be noticed. And this is, again, the deceptive part, right? And I can tell you as a former coach and as a former teacher, this stuff happens all the time. 
right? There are, are parents and moms and dads, moms and dads both, that will do things to, to butter up coaches, right? And I coached high school, and it was still happening in high school, but the, it happens in Little League and softball and baseball and football. and the, they, they will do everything they can to get attention on them, to do everything they can to get attention on their kid. Because why? Because their kid has to be number one. Their kid has to be the first on that team. Their kid has to be the starter of that team, right? I can tell you the same thing happens in the classrooms. Moms do things to get attention for their kids. They do things so that their kid can have the best grade because it was inconceivable for them that their kid wasn't on the honor roll. It was inconceivable for them that their kid wasn't in the gifted class. And so for them, life becomes more about what looks important versus what is actually important. Life becomes all about the show instead of the substance that's really going on. And so I can tell you that moms and dads and parents, sometimes we fall in this trap of let's make sure everything looks right. Let's make sure everything looks good. And if you don't believe me, think back just about a year and a half ago to the college admission scandal where parents were literally paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their kid on a team to get them in a school versus actually the kid getting into school themselves. This stuff is deceptive. And when the, sub, when the, the, the appearance or the show becomes more important than the substance, that's where the problem comes in. That's where it is deceptive. And the same thing is true of a woman's beauty. Society celebrates the outward beauty and the physical appearance, but they totally disregard the inward beauty. And that's a problem. You see, society fails to grasp this idea in verse 30 that beauty is fleeting. The quest for beauty is vain. It's only temporary. It's never going to last. Now, I'm going to admit that with the right makeup team, the right Photoshop team, you can do pretty much anything to anybody. All right? You, you can change somebody who, who looks one way when you see them in person, and, and you give them like massive makeup, and you give them massive Photoshop team, and then you see them on the cover of a magazine, and they don't look anything like they do in person. But you know what? All that makeup and all that Photoshopping doesn't do a thing for what that person is on the inside. You can dress up a dead corpse, and it's still dead. To borrow a, a phrase from a former president, you can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. All right? And I'm not, not going to get political in, in where that came from. But the idea is simply this, that beauty is fleeting. It should not be our focus. It should not be what is important to us because what should be important to us is our right relationship with God, is what is on the inside. So that's the reason that the Proverbs ends in verse 30 with this. It says, A woman who fears the Lord will be praised, meaning the one who has proper respect and honor for God. It means that she stands in awe of God and she has this proper recognition that He is who He is and she is who she is, and that relationship dictates everything in her life. You see, I thank God for the God-fearing mothers who get their kids out of bed and take them to church every Sunday morning because they know that right relationship with God is more important than anything else. I thank God for moms and for dads, or whichever the case, but especially moms today, who prioritize church and their Christian beliefs over everything else. Because I can tell you we live in a world that that's not the case with everybody. I can tell you, I thank God for moms who will stand in all of Him and they will teach their kids to stand in all of Him. And I thank God and for, for Him and for all the God-fearing mothers who pour their lives in their kids and teach them the most important thing about them is not what the world sees, not what the world says. It's not about what's standing out front. It's about what's on the inside. And your relationship with God is far more important than anything else about your life. And if you miss that, then you miss everything else. 
You can put all the makeup on. You can curl your hair however you want to. And if all we're doing is putting on a show and not building a substance, then we're not doing our job as parents. And this passage makes it clear that a marvelous mother, she fears the Lord, she praises the Lord, and she makes that known to her kids. And a marvelous mother loves the Lord her God with all her heart, all her soul, all her strength. And because she does that, she is trustworthy. That's the second characteristic that we find. I had a roommate in college that he and I had several classes together. And so we lived in the same building. Or Sorry, he wasn't my roommate. He was a, he was a friend of mine who lived down the hall. And we, had, we lived in the same building, and we had several classes together. And so when we would walk to class together, and one day I was leaving a little early, and I stopped by his room, and I said, Hey, you ready to go? we, we got to get going to class. He said, Yeah, give me just a few moments. And so I noticed he was taking all of his stuff, like his laptop and all of his other stuff, and he was putting it like in this trunk. And then he literally took a key out of his pocket and he locked this trunk. And then he walked out of the room and I was like, "Do you? what are you doing? And he said, well, I, I don't really trust my roommate. He, he's been stealing stuff from me. He's been taking stuff from me. He used my laptop and he's put some stuff on my laptop that shouldn't be there. And, and so I, I really don't trust him. And so I just lock everything up when I leave. And I thought, man, I begin to feel bad for this guy because I thought, how terrible would it be to have to live with somebody that you literally could not trust in the same space. Now, granted, roommate's a little different than a spouse, but how terrible would it be if you could not trust your spouse like this guy couldn't trust his roommate? That you have to share a room together, that you have to share a space together, but you honestly couldn't trust them enough to, that you had to padlock things because you were afraid they would go missing. See, that's not the case with a husband with a marvelous mom because a marvelous mom, in verse 7, says the heart of her husband trusts in her. He will not lack anything good. You see, the marvelous mom can be trusted by her husband, and he knows he can have confidence in her. He loves her, and she loves him. He cares for her, and she cares for him. And that He trusts, and he knows that in the deepest, darkest parts of his soul, it's okay. That he can share the most, most uh, uh, secretive moments of his life, and she's all right with that. He's comfortable sharing those moments of vulnerability with her that he wouldn't share with anybody else because she's trustworthy. He trusts her with everything in their life. One commentator points out this. He says, outside of this text and only one other text in Scripture, every other Scripture in the Bible except this one and one other one condemns you for trusting in anyone or anything apart from God himself. So this present exception evaluates the virtue of a wife who fears the Lord at the highest level of the spiritual and, fear, spiritual and physical competency. Right? So get this idea that everywhere else in the Bible, if you trust in anything else, if anybody else or anything is trustworthy, it's condemned except this part. Which means, put this in practice, how valuable is the one that you are married to? How valuable is this marvelous mother that the only one that you're told to trust in besides God is this wife. Our marvelous mother can be trusted with information. She can be trusted with finances. She can be trusted with making decisions. Another commentator put it this way. said that God, when she speaks, acts, and lives with wisdom, and therefore God will bless her and her home. You see, the husband knows that everything she does is for his good and for the good of his household. He doesn't have to worry about that she's frivolously spending stuff. He didn't worry that she's, she's overspending or she's taking advantage. He trusts her. And when he trusts her, he knows that the reason he can trust her is because everything she does is in line with what God has said and is in line with what is good for him and for her family because he's not going to lack anything. A third characteristic of a marvelous mom is that she is a hard worker. 
There's not a mom in this room that doesn't know this already, uh, but many of us need kind of this reminder. And I found this statistic um, this week that a mom who's a stay-at-home mom works on average, on average, 96 hours per week, right? 96 hours per week is a stay-at-home mom's job, right? So if you do the math for that, that only leaves 10 hours a day that mom is not doing something, right? So if... If mom was able to get eight hours of sleep, means she's only not on duty two hours, right? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know a lot of stay-at-home moms that get that full eight hours of sleep, all right? And even if they do, they're still on duty, okay? I don't know about your wife, but my wife is on duty. Like, she is alert, and she will wake me up when something is going on upstairs, okay? Because I'm off duty. I'm out, right? But she will gladly wake me up, and she's like, do you hear that? No. No clue whatsoever. Kids screaming, kids crying, none of it, all right? Moms are on duty. They are hard workers. And so this, this website that I found this on, that they average 96 hours per week, and I'm going to say way over than that, that they can earn a salary if, if they were applied, even minimum wage, would be about $162,000 a year, all right? Just for a stay-at-home mom. We sell that job far too short. And not just stay-at-home moms, but then moms that go out and work, they are doing the same thing. So throughout this chapter, we find the marvelous mom wearing multiple hats and doing multiple things. Let me just run through a few of them with you in verse 13. It says, She selects the wool and flax and works with willing hands. Notice that it's willing hands. It's not, do, do, it's not angry hands. It's not that i got to be doing this. She's willingly doing this because she wants to do this for her family. In verse 14, she is, she is like the merchant ship. She's bringing food from far away. You see, we've always been taught that men are the hunters and gatherers. Men are the ones out doing all the work while the women just sit at home and do nothing. That's not true. While the men are out doing stuff, she's doing stuff too. Verse 15, she rises while in a still night and provides food for her husband and portions for her female servants. She's the one who beats the rooster up and wakes the rooster up and tells him to get up and get the rest of the family going. She is the one who gets everything right and ready so that the man who's laying in bed can actually get up and go do what he needs to do. She's the one who knows she doesn't only get food for her family, for her husband. She's providing for her other servants as well, for the rest of her household. In verse 19, she extends her hand to the spinning wheel and her hands hold the spindle. She manages and she's the homemaker and she isn't afraid to work for herself and make clothes. Notice it's funny, in verse 15, she's got servants coming. But in verse 19, notice who's doing work. She's still doing work, all right? That matches most moms I know. That even though someone else is there, she's still going to be doing the work. In verse 24, she makes and sells linen garments, and she delivers belts to the merchants. She's got a job even outside the house. So she's doing all this service. She's preparing food. She's getting everything ready. And then she's still going out, and she's still selling and delivering stuff. This is a busy lady. No wonder she's got to work 96 hours Per week, And today's list, to be honest with you, would look slightly different. But a marvelous mom is just as a hard worker as this lady is. In fact, her list would include a few things like a cook, a taxi driver, a teacher, especially over this past year, a homeschool teacher, an extra school teacher, a PE teacher, a nurse, a homekeeper, event planner, social worker, summer activities planner, hairdresser, personal care aide, shopping for the family, financial accountant, detective, counselor, and judge. And that's just scratching the surface of what you ladies do. In your 96 hours with your 10 hours of sleep and 2 hours to yourself. 
All right? You are hard workers. You do so much for your family. And because you do that, you are good stewards of what you have. You see, moms always know that there's limited resource. Regardless of how much there is, there's always a limit to it. And it's true whether she's talking about time or whether she's talking about finances. You see, in time, in verse 15, she rises while it is still nine. Verse 27, she watches over the activity of her household and is never idle. You see, she knows that the time she has is limited. She knows that the time is only a certain amount, and so she doesn't waste any of it. She avoids laziness. She doesn't want to waste any time. She's a good steward of the time that she has. If there's time to be doing something, she's going to be doing it. All right? So listen to me, moms. It's good to be busy. It's good to be a hard worker. But sometimes you need to take a breath. All right? Sometimes you need to nudge that husband of yours a little more and tell them to get to work. All right? Not because they need to get to work, but because you need to take care of yourself. All right? Because your time is short. And listen, we can't function on our own without you, so we need you around. All right? Let's just be honest. And my wife and I have joked about that several times, that, that I need her way more than she needs me. All right? And we joke, but we're honest about it. All right? At least I'm honest about it. I need her way more than she needs me. But listen, you need to understand that your time is is precious. Your time is short, and most of you know that, but you're too busy doing other stuff instead of spending it with your kids sometimes. So listen, marvelous moms, and all of you are, make sure you're investing in the time that you have, because you know it's limited, but don't just invest in doing things. Do with your kids, all right? Watch over the activities of your household, and don't be idle when your kids are around. Right? Verse seven or verse sixteen kind of flips it to: she is a good steward with a resource. In verse sixteen, she evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. Skip down to verse eighteen. She sees that her profits are good, and her lamp never goes out at night. I mean, she makes wise financial decisions. She makes sure her family has what she needs. She's the one that, in the, the, before she goes to bed, she's checking everything. She's going to make sure there's enough oil in the lamp to make sure it, gets, it burns all night. Because when the kid wakes up in the middle of the night, they've got to have a light. She's the one that's going to make sure that happens, right? So she's a good steward. She checks everything. She makes sure everything's all right. Financially, it's all right. Time-wise, it's all right. She goes on that she is a woman of strong character, and she has physical strength. In verse 17, it says she draws on her strength, and she reveals that her arms are strong. The idea is that she puts on her strength. A different translation would say that she girds herself with strength. She wraps it around her and she's ready to go. She takes care of herself. So listen, I want you to get this idea, ladies. And I hit on just a second ago. It's good to do everything for everybody else. That's okay. But if you forget this part, then you're really hurting yourself. You see, she's going to take care of her health as well. I can tell you far too many ladies who would put the needs of everybody else in front of the needs of themselves. And I think it's a mom thing. I really do. Right? It, it has to do with the next thing of generosity. But I really think that it's just kind of this inherent thing that we'll get everybody else taken care of, and that's good, but we neglect us to take care of ourselves. You see, there's nothing wrong with ensuring that your strength is where it needs to be so that you continue doing what you need to be doing. Right? There's nothing wrong with you taking a time out or a moment to yourself to, to mentally prepare yourself, to physically prepare yourself, to get yourself ready to draw on your strength. You see, the truth is, moms, you can't draw on your strength if there's no strength left to draw on. So take those moments, take those times, and husbands, listen to me, make it happen. Give your wives and your moms opportunities to take that time away. 
Right? Take the kids, take them to the store, take them somewhere, and let mom have just a little bit of time off. Right? She deserves it because she is so generous. That's the next one, is that she is generous. There's just something inherently unselfish about being a mom. In verse 12, it says, She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. Notice it is him that's important. Verse 20, Her hands reach out to the poor, and she extends her hands to the needy. She's doing all this work, and yet she's giving it all away. A mom is the most selfless job there is. It's always looking out for the needs of someone else, always putting the needs of someone else above your own. Uh, The next one is that she is respectable. In verse 23, her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. You see, the elders would sit at the city gates, and this is where they would judge people. They, they would judge, not in a, a bad way, but they would make decisions, and people would bring cases to them, and they would listen. The elders of the, ga- or the city would sit at the gates, and, and people would come to them with disputes, and so they would settle these disputes as kind of this council uh, that, that made these decisions. And so her husband sits among these elders. He acts as one of these judges, and, and people bring him cases, and he talks with them, and he figures out what's best for them and what's best for the situation. And these are legal things things that are going on. And so understand the only reason he's allowed to do that is because his wife is respected within the community. That his wife has a character that brings respect to her home and to him. Because if she wasn't, if she was of questionable character, then he wouldn't be allowed to sit there. Or nobody would come to him for advice. Nobody would listen to him for advice. Because what they would say is, listen, you can't even figure out your own house. How are you going to help me figure out my house? You can't settle your own disputes. How are you going to settle our disputes? And so she, he only gets to sit there because of her character. He only gets to sit there and be in that, that position of authority because she is, is in the, the character that she has. In verse 25, it says, Strength and honor are her clothing. The last characteristic of a marvelous mom is that she is wise. And she demonstrates that in two ways. In preparation and with her words. In verse 21, in preparation, it says, She is not afraid for her household when it snows. For all of her household are doubly clothed. The last part of verse 25, I love it. It says, she can laugh at the time to come. See, a marvelous mom doesn't fret when things don't go the way she plans for. A marvelous mom doesn't fall apart because the snow starts falling and she's not ready for it. Why? Because she's already ready for it. She doesn't start making clothes when it starts snowing. Her clothes are already made. Her family's already taken care of. She can laugh at the times to come, and she's not afraid, and she's not worried about them. One, because she trusts the God who already knows the future. And two, she laughs because she's already prepared. She is, has her wisdom, and she's already ready for this thing. But also with her words, in verse 26, it says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. You see, her mouth is like a river of knowledge that flows out of the life that everybody needs. When she opens her mouth, words of wisdom come out. Things that are useful knowledge and not gossip, not useless information. Things that are beneficial. Now, I don't know a man sitting in this room, and honestly, I don't know many ladies sitting in this room who would not have benefited more if we listened to our mama just a little more. If we hadn't written them off, if we hadn't uh, kind of said, you don't know what you're talking about, if we just listened to the wisdom and the loving instruction that we were given by our parents, how much better off would we have been? My backside would have been a little less bruised if I'd listened to the words the first time. I may be the only one that would confess up to that, but I can tell you it's true. Some of the mistakes that I've made in life, I wouldn't have made if I'd listened to the wise instructions of my mom or my dad in the first place. Young people, listen to me. Your parents are smarter now than you think they are. If you don't believe me, 
Wait about 10, 15 years, and you'll realize exactly how smart they are. Okay? There's not a parent that's sitting in this room right now who's not looking back at their parents and be like, man, they really were geniuses. They had this all figured out, and I just wouldn't listen to them when they gave me the advice. But for some reason, when we get into this middle age, we get in this teenage stuff, we think our parents don't know anything. And we forget they were your age at one point. Right? And sure, they may not have had the newest flip phone or cell phones and all that. We had flip phones, sorry. They may not have had the newest cell phones and all the stuff that you had, but they went through the same things. It just looked a little different. Right? There's really nothing new under the sun. The Bible tells you that. It just packaged a little bit different. Your parents got to be their age because they survived your age first. Right? And they've got words of wisdom they can pass on to you. And so we need to understand that, and we need to see that. We need to see all these characteristics. And I'm looking in a room full of ladies who you are living these characteristics. And I know there are many watching online who are living these characteristics. And you deserve some recognition. You deserve some honor for that. In fact, Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents, um, was questioned one time uh, before he became president, before he got into office, if someone who was such poor upbringing was qualified for office because he wasn't like everybody else. Everybody else that was in office at the time was rich and wealthy, and they all came from really wealthy families. And he came from a very poor, very humble family. And somebody asked him about it, and they're like, how are you even qualified to do this? And his response was simply this, I consider no man poor who had a godly mother. And then he went on to say later in that same thing, he says, I am who I am, and all that I hope to be, I owe it to my angel mother. By the way, his mother passed away when he was 12 years old. Do you see the impact she made on him? And he realized and he passed it on and he praised her. And in fact, years later, he wrote about her and how great she was and what it was. And so she, he praised her. And so there are four people that should be praising marvelous mothers today. And we'll start in verse 10 with the husband. In verse 10, it says, Who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious than jewels. Far more precious. Recognize the value of the wife that you have. She is more precious than jewels. She is rare. She is hard to find. And so when you find her, you need to appreciate her. I want you to think for just a minute. Things that are valuable, things that are rare, you don't just find them laying around everywhere. What you find is that you worked for them, you dug for them, and then you find them, and then you don't just throw them back in the dirt. What do you do? You put them on display. You show them off, right? When people find diamonds, they don't just bury them back in the dirt. Instead, what they do, they make beautiful jewelry out of them so that everybody can enjoy them because everybody needs to see how great this is. And your wife is more precious than the most valuable jewels that are out there. She is rare and she's hard to find. And if you don't think that your wife is rare, then you need to go to certain parts of town and you will see that what you have at home is a jewel compared to the other things that are out there. All right? And that's not to put other ladies down. That's just, I know the jewel that I have at home. All right? Maybe I should say it that way. All right? The other person that should be praising marvelous moms is their children. Verse 28 says, Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Thank God for her. She is more than just a one-day thing. We should make Mother's Day every day. It shouldn't just be a one thing. We should be polite. We should be respectful. And the idea of blessing her is more than just words that we say. It's actions that we do. So listen to me, young people. It's not just respecting her by saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. It's living out the wisdom that she has told you. It's living and acting the way that you should. And we should be rising up, and we should be raising up and, and blessing our mothers. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a day when you wish you could do it in person. 
There's going to be a day then the only thing you would want to do is to go sit and listen to the words of wisdom that mom has and you don't have it anymore. So rise up while she is here. Praise her. Give her blessings while she is here. Listen to her, not just with words, but with actions and deeds. The third one is society. In verse 31, it says, Give her the reward of her labor, and let her works praise her at the city gates. You know, Give her what she deserves. You see, there's so this idea of, of competition between ladies and trying to, to show up and show out and all this stuff. And, and what we need to be doing, instead of putting each other down, ladies, is we need to be lifting each other up. We need to be building each other up. And instead of judging across one another, saying, hey, listen, I've been where you're at. It's tough, right? Some of us maybe need to back up just a moment. Some of us maybe need to stop acting like we got it all together and be a little more vulnerable and say, hey, listen, I know life is tough. I know when you're up all night long with the colicky baby. Guess what? You're not the only one. Right? Society needs to recognize what mothers have brought to the table, and we need to praise mothers and lift each other up instead of withholding and taking advantage of each other. But the last one, and we'll finish with verse 30, is that God Himself will praise her. In verse 30, we start with this verse and we'll end it. It says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Right? So notice the praise here is not from a person. It is from God Himself, because that is who she respects, and that's who she fears. Right? So God sees, and God recognizes, and, and God praises all the things that nobody else does. I'm going to be fully honest and transparent with you. I have a wonderful wife. I had a wonderful mother. But I still don't know half of what all they do. Right? But you know who does? The God who gives them praise. The God who sees their heart and knows their heart. And the God who sees everything that I don't see and you don't see. The God who sees everything and knows everything. And He will reward everything that the rest of us take for granted. And we, we kind of joke in our house that my wife, she does all the homeschooling. Because when she does it, it is beautiful and it flows well and it works great. And all the kids get all their stuff done. And then some days, every so now and then, mom will have to go do something. And dad's in charge of homeschool. And it is a complete disaster. All right? I don't know how she does it. I don't know how you get three kids all doing different stuff at the same time and make it all work. And she does. And so she leaves me little notes of like, do this, do this. And it still falls apart. I don't know how she does it all. But the God who sees knows all that I take for granted. The God who sees and knows all that she does when I'm sitting in my office or I'm out visiting or I'm out doing all the stuff that I need to be doing for our family, He knows what all she does. And all the stuff that I take for granted... He knows every bit of it. All the sweeping, all the mopping, all the caretaking, all the band-aids, all the bruises that she kisses, all the snuggles that she gives our kids. He knows every one of them. God knows. And He rewards and He praises all that the rest of the world and all the rest of us take for granted. So for all of you who are mothers, you are marvelous. And the trip is out. The, the secret's out. We know you have superpowers now. You've admitted to it. We've seen videos of it. We know it. But you're marvelous because of your character. You're marvelous because you seek after God. You're marvelous because you made a priority to be here this morning and to be here with family. You're marvelous because you're raising your kids in the fear and ammunition of the Lord. And so we as a church, we as husbands, we as sons and daughters, we praise you for the marvelous moms that you are. Let's pray together. God, we thank you.